0: Okay, well, hey guys, my name is Henry, I'm a ministry apprentice here at Christ Church, and tonight we're going to be looking at the second half of 1 Peter 1, so keep your Bibles open there. But let's pray as we dig into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us then through your word. We pray that tonight as we look at it closer, that you will help us to understand more and help us to get to know you better. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, I remember when I was in about year eight, and I was chatting to one of my friends, and they knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I trusted in Jesus, and we were chatting, and I remember we were, we were talking about what we were going to do on the weekend. And I wanted to tell them about youth group. But the problem was, I wanted them to see to something that was, well, cool. Uh, so I told them that, you know, we go and we, we eat fast food and we, we play some games and, you know, there are some girls there, which is a pretty big deal at an all-boys school. You know, they want to hear that. Um, and I wanted them to think that the way that I spent my Friday nights was well, exactly the same as they might be spending theirs, you know, going to a party. I remember thinking in my head, oh, I don't want them to think, you know, I'm I'm weird. I don't want them to think I'm one of those weirdo Christians who's really different from them. I want them to think I'm a cool Christian. Have you ever had that thought? And you know, that you don't actually want to be different from the people around you. I think at that point, I cared more about making friends and looking cool in their eyes than I did about living differently. You know, I knew that that was what I was meant to do according to the Bible. I knew that I was meant to be different from my friend who didn't trust Jesus. But that really brings up a good question, because why should we bother to live differently? If it's simply something that causes an awkward conversation every now and then, and that's all it does, well, why should we care about the way that we live? Maybe to bring it one step even further, does God care about the way that we live? If we've already been saved, you know, we don't need to earn anything from Him or anything like that, why would we even bother? Why not just live the exact same way as the people around us? I know some of my friends see, see life as just a pursuit of happiness or. Or of money or sex. Why would we not just live with those markers for our lives? Why not live for pleasure? Why live different? Tonight's passage is all about how we are to live and why. But we need to start by seeing that this isn't disconnected from what we heard last week. If you were here with us last week, Dave spoke to us about the joy of being a Christian, the joy of following Jesus. And so we might think, well, this seems to be saying something else entirely. How can we be joyful about having to live lives with actions that the world thinks simply can't bring joy? How can we live differently from the rest of the world and yet still find joy in our lives? It seems to be a bit of a contradiction. And yet Peter has put these two passages together to make sure that we notice something. And he's put it even in this order to make sure that we notice something. We need to see that that big word there in verse 13, therefore, we need to see that and as good readers, we need to think, what is that therefore, therefore, therefore? Because the reason that we live differently is not so that we get all the things that were mentioned last week. It's it's not so that we receive an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's not so that God shields us in our trials. And it's not so that we can hear the glorious message of the gospel. No, we live differently because that has already been done. Those have already been given to us and we've been given... A new identity. We don't live differently so that we can earn something, but because we've already been given it. That's what we're looking at tonight. We live differently because we are different. So, the first thing that that marks us as different is where we are looking. Peter starts in verse 13 to 16 by pointing us somewhere else. Let's read verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. How easy is it for us to be caught up in the things that are going on right in front of us? I know I get caught up in doing what's urgent, you know, sidelining what's important to, to get the urgent stuff done. And there's even so much worldly wisdom out there saying, oh, you need to look further than the urgent in order to see what's important in your life. And they're, they're definitely onto something, aren't they? You know, saying, look a few years into the future or a, f- a few months and you know, focus on what's important so that when that time comes, well, you are where you want to be. The problem is, though, is that they're not pointing us far enough into the future. Peter is saying, don't just set your eyes a few months into the future, a few, few weeks, a few years. Don't just look forward to what's happening then. Set your hope on Jesus' return. I don't know about you, but I can think a lot about you know, the stuff that Jesus has done in the past, you know what he's done on the cross, or even in the present You know, when he's right now on the throne. But I find it really hard to set my eyes on Jesus' return. How often do you think about that? That the resurrected king is going to return? Are your eyes set on that? Are your longings and desires on that? Is your life shaped by what is to come? or by the things right in front of you. So it makes sense that in verse 14, Peter writes, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We aren't who we once were. Peter is saying that you are different. You've been made the children of God. Obedient children by what Jesus has done. And so, because you aren't the same as everyone else in the world, because your eyes are elsewhere, why would you pretend to be like them? He uses the word conform, you know, like being the same as everyone else, being in step with them, live in the evil desires that you once had. We aren't to act like everyone else, you know, conform to our old desires, because our eyes are set elsewhere. Our eyes aren't on the crowd, watching what everyone else is doing in order to figure out what to do. Our eyes are forward. Our hope is in the future, on Jesus' return. So what do we conform to then? How do we know how to live if we aren't just to look at the people around us? Verse 15 and 16, but just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holy is just a Bible word for separate, different. God is separate, unlike anyone else. Completely perfect, without any fault. That is what makes him holy. And you know, that's not what we're like. Think back to the Isaiah passage. He knew that there was a problem with God's holiness. He sees it and hears it and he says, Woe to me, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah knew that there was a problem with God's holiness. He knew that there was a problem and that problem was his unholiness. But the thing is is that we have been made holy by what Jesus has done. By him removing our sinfulness and giving us his righteousness, we are made holy and we can come near to God. And so his holiness isn't something that pushes us down, but it is something that he calls us to as well. Be holy because I am holy. We are to model our lives, not on the people around us, not on the, the way that we want to live, but on our God and on our Lord Jesus. In Romans 8.29, it says that God for, those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We are conforming, but not to the crowds, to Jesus. What are the sorts of lives that we're meant to live? Holy lives, lives that are separate, different from others, lives like Jesus. because Our eyes aren't on our world or who we used to be, they are on the return of our Lord Jesus and on our God. But so Peter goes on, because the, future become, or the question becomes, if, if we're not who we were, well, who are we now? See there in verse 17, it says that we are foreigners. Maybe you know what that's like. You know? maybe, maybe you've come to Australia and you, you were initially a foreigner. Maybe you still don't feel at home in this country. Or maybe you felt it when you've gone to a different country. I remember going on exchange in year 10, and I lived in France for about three months. Uh, and while the family that I stayed with was very nice, and you know, they, I always felt cared for and loved, I knew that it wasn't my home. I remember at the school I was treated different, at restaurants me and the other Australians were treated different. People knew that we weren't French. They knew that we were foreigners and it mattered. See, because where your home is matters. I'm an Australian, so when I was in France, well, I wasn't at home. But if you're a Christian, then your true home still actually isn't here. While we might be here for, our, for a while, our home is in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where we we long for, which means that while we are here in this life, we are foreigners. This is not our home. Our identities are no longer found in being Australians, but they are found in who we are now and in where we truly belong. But see, the thing is a change of identity, like becoming a citizen of a country, well, it always comes at a cost. You know, to become an Australian citizen, I looked up, it costs $285, um, plus whatever it might have taken you to come to the country. Um, but our new identities, well, they came at a far higher cost. Look down at verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Our old identities, being people of this world, living lives that could only matter for a small time that we were on earth, being the same as everyone else, that's not who we are anymore. We've been bought with the blood that Jesus has shed on the cross. As our Saviour was crucified, as he was hung on a Roman cross, we were bought, and not for free, at great cost. The precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, we're being reminded of the way that sacrifices used to happen, particularly to one sacrifice that required a lamb without blemish or defect, to the Passover, where every year in the Jewish calendar, they would sacrifice a spotless lamb as a reminder of when they were brought out of Egypt. They were once slaves to the Egyptians, but God saved them from there. He took them out and made them into his people. He gave them there a new identity. And You know, it's funny because... Peter calls silver and gold perishable things. It's funny because they're probably the last things we would think of when we think of what is perishable. We we would think of a food that goes off. You you might have seen some milk in your fridge go a bit funky. That's what we think of perishable. But in the grand scheme of things, it's all the same, isn't it? Either when you die or... When Jesus returns, all the money you have, it'll be worthless. You can't buy eternal life. And you can't take it with you. It's all going to fade away. So how good is it then that we haven't been bought with things that will fade away, that are only useful in this life. But we've been bought with something that is of eternal value. Not silver, not gold, but the precious blood of Christ. And see, Peter goes on, because this new identity, it's not just been bought with something that will last, but the identity itself is something that will last. Have a look at verse 23. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Do you see this comparison? We haven't been bought with stuff that is perishable, but with something that will last. And we haven't been born again with something that is perishable, that will not last, but with something that will. We've been born again eternally. So what is our new identity? We know that it will last forever, far beyond our deaths, because it is imperishable, but what is it? Our identity is as the people who have been bought with Jesus' blood. We are the people who God himself has given new birth to through his very word. His word that like what we've been bought with, and like what we've been born again with, His word will last forever. From verse twenty-four, for all people are like grass, and all their glories like the flowers of the field. You know, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you and not just to Peter's original audience. Because the word of the Lord that he speaks of, it's the same word that if you are living for Christ, it's the same word that's been preached to you too. Or even if you are listening right now, the word that says Jesus is Lord, turn to him. That is what is being preached to you right now. It is living, enduring. It never goes out of style And in a moment, we'll come back to see where Peter takes this. But I skipped over a verse there that I think can rightly trip us up sometimes. Have a look down and see if you can see it. It's verse 22. It says, "Now that you've been now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, are we purified? Are we made clean, made holy by our obedience?" Can I be a more pure Christian or a less pure Christian? Are we made right with God by what we do? It seems odd for Peter to suddenly say that our salvation depends on our own actions, doesn't it? He's spent basically a whole chapter telling us how much God is doing for us, so he can't suddenly be saying that everything depends on us. If it all depended on us, you know, God's shielding of us that we heard last week, well, that wouldn't be much of a shielding if it can fail based on what we do. And yet Peter is saying that our response to the truth matters. The truth of verses 20 and 21, that Jesus, the lamb that was slain in our place, that he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. It's through him that we believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. The truth of who Jesus is matters. The truth that Jesus is right now the king of the whole world, it matters. And so whether we live With Jesus as the king, that matters. Our identities are based in recognizing the truth that Jesus is king. God doesn't save people who don't turn to him. He doesn't purify people who don't obey the truth of the gospel. So turn to him and obey the truth of the gospel. Peter even says the way here that it manifests itself, you know, what obedience practically looks like. Well, it looks like love. Sincere love. And not just for everyone, you know, a a general love or a love for that person down the street. It's a love for each other, a deep love from the heart. If someone looked at the love that you have for your Christian brothers or sisters, well, would they call it sincere? Would they call it deep or from the heart? The thing is, this is harder than ever right now, isn't it? If all of us at EC were here tonight, well, that would at least take down one barrier. And yet the virus really has shown us the need for this, the need for our love for each other, because some people at church are feeling more alone than ever. How do you know that one of the people in your growth group aren't one of those people? The only way that you can know is by checking up on people, by showing love for them by knowing how they're going. I don't think it was necessarily any easier before all of this happened, but, but it can't be hidden anymore. You don't just accidentally bump into someone and just happen to be able to ask them how they're going. This is what it looks like to live holy lives. It's clear why in this section, because we've been made new. We've been bought with eternal treasure and made into something eternal. And what it will look like is us loving each other. Let's not be a church that is just known for our building or known for our our youth group or for our, our evening congregation or even that's known for good Bible teaching. Let's be known as the church with sincere love for each other. And if you aren't a part of our church community yet, let us show this sincere love to you too. And so, of course, in a community that's filled with people that are living out their new identities, there can be no place for things like malice or deceit there in chapter 2 verse 1. That can't be how we're living. We're to be holy, to, to live different because we are different. These things that Peter tells us to rid ourselves of, they all seem to be connected to our old identity. They, they find their roots in our hearts and try to twist our understanding of who we are now. Hypocrisy, you know, pretending to be someone that you're not. Envy, wanting, some, wanting to be something that you're not. It's no wonder that Peter is saying that there is no place for this in Christians. Because we are no longer who we were, we've been given a new identity. We've been called to look somewhere other than just ourselves. And so with our new identity comes a craving for something new. Instead of the evil desires that we had when we lived in ignorance, from verse 14, we instead crave what brought about our new life, in this new identity. Look at verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. We're called to be like babies who crave milk. It's quite a picture, isn't it? And like babies, that milk is so important. It's necessary for life. And like babies, we get our milk from the one who gives us life and who will raise us and care for us and love us. That spiritual milk there is the word of God. And by reading it and reflecting on it and living it, that's how we grow. But why do we crave this? Why do we know that the word of God is good and will grow us? Well, it's because we've tasted it. This is a call back to one of the Psalms of David, Psalm 34. David wrote, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, Peter is saying that we have tasted and we have seen. And so we know that the Lord is good. We know He is good. We know the Lord. And so we know that we can go to his word knowing that because he is good, his word is good. But so what would it look like for us to crave pure spiritual milk? Well, Surely it would would look like that we would never go past God's word. We can never claim to have had enough of it. We always want more. Is that how you see the Bible? Are you filled with an inexhaustible desire to hear from God? Do you long to hear from him in His word? That's what craving pure spiritual milk will look like. And so we know why we are lived to live differently. It's because we are different. And this different life it'll be marked by. By all kinds of things. Our, our eyes, they won't be set on the things of this world, but on Jesus and his return. We won't be conforming to the evil desires that we used to live in, but conforming to the image of Christ. We will be holy. We'll be living as foreigners, knowing that our home is in heaven because we have new identities. We will have sincere love for each other. Deep love from the heart. We will not be known for our malice or deceit or hypocrisy or envy or slander. But we will be known by our craving for God and his word. Because we know that he is good. And all of these things... We don't do them to to earn a new identity or or to be known as something else, but because we already are something else. We are different. We've been made different by the blood that Jesus has shed for us, by the new birth into eternal life that we've been given in him. And our identities, the, the fact that we are now in Christ, we are not our own. That is what shapes us now. Why live different? Simple. It's because we are different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are holy. You are our holy God. You are set apart. You are different. You are perfect. And Father, we know that, that we are not We know that we fall short of your standard of holiness and yet, Father, we thank you that we've been bought. We've been bought from our our slavery to our old selves and that we've been born again, born again to never die again spiritually. Father, we, we look forward to our eternal life that we will spend with you. And so, Father, we pray. We pray that you'll help us to live differently. Help us not to be exactly the same as all of the people around us, but to live differently knowing that we are different. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.